0: 1440, today's show, the Oilers play the wild in the house Jacques Lemaire built. Light a candle, then light another one. The Oilers can't win Jack Doodley in that barn. They're 1-8 in their last nine games on the road where Jack Lemaire ruined hockey. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. You can just tune in when you're driving down the road. Text or call us at one eight three three four eight one four zero one fourteen forty. Numbers or play things to me. 1-833-401-1440. Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. The Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. I drive by every day. They're busy because they're great. They've got great vehicles. Our guest today, Daniel Nugent-Bowman from The Athletic. Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune. We're going to talk about the Oilers' wild tonight. Paul Jones from Sportsnet Radio will chat Raptors. Uh, some unusual things happening in the NBA, including contracts, and we'll talk Texas Rangers World Series birth. Ber- the the Texas Rangers man, uh, Jeff Burrows won a MVP in seventy four. Uh, Lenny Randall beat up his manager Frank Lucchese mm, seventy eight maybe, and Ferguson Jenkins won twenty games there once. That's I. There's not a lot, and they are now in like Flynn. Love it. Okay, let's get right to it. There's a couple of things I want to talk about hockey-wise, one off the ice, the other on. The Oilers are 8-1 in the last nine games in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Somewhere along the line, I'm going to tell you what happened to Jacques Lemaire. When he came up in the late 1960s, he was a pure scorer, and he was a left wing. And through hard work by him and some astute coaching by Toe Blake and then Scotty Bowman, he became more of a two-way center on a, a, an electric line, one of the best of all time. Steve Schutt was on the left wing, and Guy LaFleur was on the right wing, and LeMaire was in the middle, and because LaFleur was, well, he was a brilliant player, and Steve Schutt was a, a fantastic two-way winger with a great shot, Lemaire could, could be creative in all sorts of ways, but he also was the defensive conscience on the line along with Shut, and it worked brilliantly. When Lemaire was finished playing hockey, he became coach, and he sort of, he stifled the end of Guy Lafleur's career uh, because he wanted everybody to play shut down defense, as you saw him play in Minnesota, the, the Minnesota Wild play when he was coach, and... LeMaire took, took the fun out of hockey, I think. Uh, Marion Gabryk was, was a brilliant offensive player who never really got to let loose, but it was effective for an expansion team. Now, the Wilds since have, have become a different style of team, but they are still a frustrating team to play in Minnesota, in Minneapolis-St. Paul. So the Otters have to overcome that. You know about the Connor McDavid injury. I want to remind you, The Jay Woodcroft's to-do list today is replace Connor McDavid, fix the PK, find some goals on five-on-five, cut down on mistakes, and find a goalie rotation that works. So, you know, there's a few things going on. Probably going to have a bagged lunch. By the way, the lines are out. This is courtesy of Bob Stoffer. They are interesting. I'm going to get my friend Declan to give his input in a minute here. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl will center Evander Kane, and, of course, What? Matthias Janmark on the top line. What they what they make a crazy talk. Nuge will center Fogel and Hyman. Uh, McLeod will center Holloway and Brown. And then it's Ryan and Ernie are the extras. Nurse Cece Ekholm Bouchard, Kulak Broberg with Deharnay. All seven defensemen dress. Campbell over Skinner in net. Sir, if you could just you know crack that microphone for a second. I know where you're very busy playing your online games and making your bets. But if you could just tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the top line with Matthias Janmark being elevated to the uh, number one line.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll keep this quick because there's nothing I I can say about these lines that you can't say better and have more uh, information about. Listen, I think Matthias Janmark on the top line, listen, I know we can do some good things for this Oilers team in theory. In no way is this guy a first-line player. and no guy is this way a first-line talent. He doesn't have the puck skill. Uh, He doesn't have the offensive zone skill to play on the top line listen, Dryside is a good playmaking center as well, but it's not even like he's playing with McDavid, who's a better playmaking center. He's playing with a guy who's going to, I think, have to dominate the puck to be successful. Yeah, listen, like I said, Yanmark can do some decent things for this hockey club. He can't do them as a first-line winger.
0: It's, it's interesting to me, uh, Montario Holmes says, what does Yanmark have on Woody or Holland? This, uh, I've talked about this and I've written about this. I wrote about it yesterday. Daniel dundum our guest today, is going to talk about it as well. The option is Dylan Holloway. And what the coach is doing is deciding that he wants to go veteran over youth. What he did when he arrived here in February of 2022 was he played the kids. You know, he he put Ryan McLeod in a feature role. He did play young defensemen like Broberg and Marcus Niemalinen. And then the following year, Stuart Skinner played a ton for him in goal as a rookie. And Vincent DeHarnay, although the NHL's crazy rules don't allow him to be a rookie, he was a freshman NHL player. And... Woodcroft had no hesitation. This year, they they send Raphael Lavoie down and sign Adam Ernie. Very specific player, penalty killer, fourth-line guy, hitter. And Lavoie, who has a little offensive spark, is sent down. Holloway's playing on the third line. And, look, I think he's going to be fine on the third line because he's playing with um, McLeod and Brown. That's a pretty solid group, but... I think a more dynamic option would be to play, instead of Yanmark, Dylan Holloway in the top six. We'll see how it goes. But I feel like Jay Woodcroft is abandoning what he knew, and I think he might be coaching a little differently now uh, than he did when he arrived. And I think it's a mistake. because What you're doing is you're they, – they only have 20 men available. But David is hurt, but he they can't replace him. They don't have the cap room. So instead of 23, when you've got 23, the coach can say, all right, you sit. And you are not going to play much at 5-on-5 five five and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Can't do that right now. They've only got 20 guys. You've got to play them all. Matthias Janmark doesn't have the foot speed of Dylan Holloway or the creativity of Dylan Holloway. Now, I like Matthias Janmark. People are ripping him online, and I think that's ridiculous. He's a fine player. He's a good two-way guy. can penalty kill. He's a veteran, and he doesn't cost a lot. He's a value contract. Score 10 goals for you this year. Not bad. However, on the top line, I think that is a—it's um, just a bridge too far, in my opinion. You're 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 coaching like you don't want to get scored on, and yet we know because the offense, you know, needs to outscore the the mistakes by the defense and the goaltending on this team that that's a that's a wish that won't come true. The owners will get scored on tonight. Now watch—they'll get a shutout. I regret to inform you only in that. It just confirms what I said before and uh, was hoping that we would not have to go through this mess. I'm going to read you the note from the NHL, statement on symbolic tape in support of social causes. Their word, not mine. After consultation with the NHL Players Association and the NHL Player Inclusion Coalition, players will now have the option to voluntarily represent social causes with their stick tape throughout the season. Remember when we talked about this last time and I said the crime was that the NHL had done their due diligence, had made their decision, and all they had to do was have the courage of their conviction. That's all you have to do. When you do the, the work. You find out what the issues are. You find out what the moral high ground is. You find out what the right thing to do is, and then you just stick with it. And people are going to have their lash at you and people are going to get angry at you, but you stay the course. Because you've made the right decision. You're on the correct side of history on this. And the NHL just can't do it. They just do not have the spine to do this. The NHL takes an issue like pride tape. And every morning they get up and they walk outside. And they do that thing, you know, sometimes you you put your forefinger right in your mouth and you lick it a little bit and then they put it up to see which way the wind is blowing. And then they go that way. And in the meantime... Serious men who actually do take a stand, Brian Burke, Connor McDavid, Zach Hyman. These are individuals who've made a stand and said, yeah, this is a good idea. And you you turn on them when you abandon them. And you, you take what they have done, the character that they have given to the cause, and you burn it in a big, big brush fire. And then a few weeks later, you change your mind again. You're telling everybody you're not serious. The NHL does not look serious today. Look, I understand it's a multi-billion dollar industry. But you, you, you can't do this. You're too big to do this. You look too small when you do. The NHL has a character issue. I've told you many times how I feel on this issue. And you can come at me and you often do and you probably will today. There's a bottom line here on all of this, and there's also a lot of courage being gathered by forces that are negative and evil and bound and determined to change the world we live in. So guess what? You have to decide. You have to decide what side you're on, and then you have to say it publicly and say it out loud right now and forever, because if you don't, then these things are going to continue to happen. And what happened here was the the uproar, the response to the NHL was so strong, they backed down. No, They're not courageous at all. But the people who did speak out are. And there was a lot of it. And it's all good. And it doesn't matter whether it's Connor McDavid or Brian Burke or Travis Dermott, who's a, like a fringe NHL player barely hanging on. He risked everything to do it we are here today but it didn't have to be that way when when you are conf- i've talked about this before when you are con- there are issues that are happening to men and women my age that we never considered when we were 25 but when they do uh, come upon you or they do impact you and your family you have to make a decision on which way your wind is going to blow and if you always choose love is love and to care for others, and not to do harm to individuals, then your answer is simple. That's what this is about. This is important stuff. And the National Hockey League failed miserably, miserably, on this issue. It's not an issue of law, or morality, or any of that. For the NHL, it's a matter of character. And they have none. The Rangers are through to the World Series. I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. The Rangers are the Washington Senators who were an expansion team in the early 1960s. And they had nothing going on. They had a a guy who wore glasses named Eddie Brinkman who played shortstop. They had a six-foot, I think, nine or ten or eight left fielder named Frank Howard who was a monster. He had moonshots. They had a first baseman named Mike Epstein who walked all day. They had another one later named Mark Hargrove, who was called the human rain delay because it took him so long. Between each pitch, he'd get out, he'd adjust his gloves, he'd adjust the the thing that men do when they adjust. And they do all of that, and it would take them like 10 minutes. But all of the things about the Texas Rangers that I can tell you about are anecdotal like that, like Mike Hargrove being the human rain delay. Why do I have to say that? Because they don't really have a history of success. Aha! We're here. That's a long road, baby, from 1960, I think, 2 to today. I wonder if they'll do it. We'll see. Game 7. Do you, you don't like Game 7s. They interrupt your you're weak no
1: i love game seven you, sevens don't
0: th- lie. you the pretend t- you do
1: the two best words in sports there's nothing better than a game seven listen like I, when it comes to sports with series my favorite series my favorite sport with a series is basketball and my least favorite is probably baseball but i'll watch a game seven of baseball every day of the week over a game one of basketball because that's how electric game sevens are
0: you know you 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 say all this but i don't believe a word you say
1: why would i lie
0: we, we, we. I, got,
1: look, I got, I got no reason to lie.
0: Look, I, I, I'm just mad because of your cheese. I'm still mad about your cheese take.
1: Yeah, it it, it definitely put a wall up between us. But, it did.
0: I mean, it did.
1: Call us Germany in '89. The way we're gonna break that thing down.
0: <laughs> oh dear. All right. So this is the show today. Sarah McClellan is gonna join us in two shakes of a lamb's tail. I'm gonna tell her it snowed yesterday here, and she's gonna go. I am not surprised. Paul Jones will join us. Talk NBA season preview. What are the raps going to do this year? We'll have NHL rumors at 1. Our friend Daniel Nugent-Bullman will be here at 20 after. He wrote a great article on Dylan Holloway and why he should be moving up. And then we'll have some great questions from the text line. We'll do that all through. We'll marble them all the way through. And a reminder, we have two shows that feature our friend here. And I'm really looking forward to Declan's Friday, Declinations, which has been running for about a month now. And then on Monday, brand new feature, Mama MMA, tell them what it is.
1: Yeah, so essentially every Monday, I think we're going to take a little uh, 20-minute segment here. I'm going to recap. 20
0: minutes? What the
1: hell? 15, 15, maybe 10, maybe even less the the way Low Tide reacted. But we're going to take some time. We're going to recap the weekend in combat sports. We're going to look ahead to the next week in combat sports. We're going to keep it pretty generic, pretty simple. I don't think we'll go too in-depth or intricate just because it is such a niche sport, uh, but we're going to have fun with it. We're going to hopefully uh, get some some information out there, uh, give the people what they want to hear, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Well, I am too because it means I can get a cup of tea down the way. I can talk to the people who come and wave to us, and I can generally just be a, you know,
1: Yeah, Lazy, lazy man? No, you can take the day off, and I'll probably (laughs) be so zoned in, like my eyes will be rolled in the back of my head. I won't even see you flutter out of here. I'm
0: I'm halfway out the door already. You do not have to hurry up this process. It's already underway. It's only a matter of time now. Okay,
1: I'm getting greedy. You're right. I'll slow (laughs) it down. You're right.
0: Sarah McClellan on the way next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports
1: 1440.
0: It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 with the Eagles on Twang Tuesday. There's a reason I played that song. I'll get to it in a second. Time for In the Community, brought to you by United Sport & Cycle, where you can save up to 35%. United Sport & Cycle, your home of hockey for over 95 years. Speaking of In the Community, joined now by Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune to talk about the Minnesota Wild. Sarah from Edmonton, so when I say it snowed last night, no problem there. Grew up in Arizona, so when I play a song with Winslow, Arizona, in the lyrics, she'll understand that too. Welcome to the show, and thank you for being on. How you doing? I'm good. So, let me ask you because I I feel like the Wild are off to a much better start than the Oilers, but in reading what fans are saying online and some of the reporting, there's uh, still room to grow here for the Wild. What's the general feeling of the team 5 games into the year?
2: You know, it's kind of been one step forward, one step back. They've kind of been stuck in neutral and, you know, I think obviously their record reflects that. They're 2-2 two, two and 1, but um, you know, it'll look like they'll turn a corner, they'll have a really positive performance, and then it's kind of back to square one the next game. They just they haven't been consistent, um, you know, kind of really to generate any early season momentum. So it's just it's kind of ho hum around these parts. And so, um, you know, I think obviously this is the beginning of a challenging week for them. They're going to go on the road after this and play three and four out East. Um, so maybe this is the backdrop for that but I I think you know just finding some consistency in their play um, getting rid of some of the issues that have been pestering them namely in their own zone they seem to be scoring enough goals to win but they're just not winning you know on a regular basis and uh, a lot of that it has to do with what's happening in front of their own net but they're not at full strength which obviously the Oilers can relate to Um, so I, I don't think it's mirror images across the ice tonight but two teams that you know haven't had their best start they're not at full strength um so i I think it'll be interesting kind of maybe a a battle of desperation tonight who wants it more considering their circumstances and you know maybe needing a game just just kind of turn it around and get going in a positive direction Uh,
0: an overlooked part of the minnesota wild story not by you 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 talk about it often in your reporting but but i think that people do forget things and the the Dean Evison era has included uh seasons of fifty three and forty six wins. Uh all the while or most of the while with, with uh Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter's uh, you know, buyouts on the books, and that's a massive, massive part of this. Some good work is being done there and maybe sort of underrated because of the amount of dollars that are on the books without actually helping there.
2: Yeah, I mean they're at almost 15 million for those combined cap hits um, this season. Can you imagine what 15, you know, almost 15 million can get in today's NHL, the type of player or players or impact that that money could be devoted to? I think it really would obviously change the complexion of this lineup. But having said that, like you said, they've still found a way to be competitive. Um, You know, and I think that's ultimately, you know, the path they're going to be on this season as well is just finding a way to be in games. Um, that's kind of been their bread and butter over these years. You know, they're parentally usually good in their own end. Um, You know, they have opportunistic scoring typically. They get enough offense to win, and um, they're tough to play against. And I think that's been able to, you know, still maintain the identity of this team, even though there really is a big chunk of their budget that's unavailable to them to invest into their their lineup. Um, And it's going to stick around. You know, they're going to still have to deal with these buyouts Um, next season as well so uh, it it does make you wonder you know what could be um, what could this team look like if if that money was going into the roster but you know on the flip side you're right they've still found a way to continue to make the playoffs it's been a lot of first round exits for this group that's kind of the big Achilles heel I think for this organization where they're at in their life cycle is okay they're a playoff team usually every year but you know not much further success than that um, but yeah, it's, it, it's just, it's gotten a, a steeper number, obviously over these last few years, since they had the buyouts, um, since they exercised them on Ryan Suter and Zach Preezing. And you wonder, you know, especially then the other factors, the cap hasn't gone up much. It's kind of been a flat cap era of late, uh, what they could look like if they had that money, but it's just, you know, it's just not something obviously players can control, the coaching staff, they're they are there to, to win and, you know, put a product on the ice with the personnel they have. And so that's very much a reality. But that's the bigger context at play here, I think, that that what-if question.
0: Sarah McClellan, our guest from the Star Tribune, talking about the Minnesota Wild. And, uh, you know, the, it's funny that all the money burns off the books when Leon Dreisaitl and then Connor McDavid are free agents. People keep texting me and saying no NHL team can afford to sign those guys. I think that the teams would make room for them. One thing about the wild that when I when I look at them, I I, for me anyway, I think of them as a you know maybe an older more veteran team. But when I watch them, uh, guys like you know Brock Faber, uh, obviously Marco Rossi on the team, Boldy, who's uh, had some injury issues. But there are some the young players that are on the team are quality. Fair?
2: Yeah, you know there there is that yeah that class of players that are coming in. You know I think probably led by Matt Boldy. Um, you know as this next wave but you're right they're in you know their core is very veteran and it's a it's a core that really is being locked into place Um, you know obviously before the season three players Matt Zuccarello Marcus Foligno and Ryan Hartman resigned they could have been free agents after the season so this wild team has kind of looked the same for the last handful of years and they're going to continue to look the same you're right you know that that there is an opening still I think or there has been to get to the point now where there are some younger players on this team and they're carving out um, bigger roles like I said Matt Boldy I mean Kuro Kaprizov is in year four Um, you know I'm not sure if he really still counts as as a youngster in this league I don't think so Um, but still four years um, even someone like an Eric Sinek, Mm -hmm. Sinek I mean he's he's been around now this team for a while but um, you know, I, I think when you think of the long term, you know, the, the veteran crew of this team. Um, you know, he doesn't have the experience of a Jared Spurgeon or, or, or Jonas Brody necessarily, but he's become embedded in this team. So. They kind of have that cross-section, that mix. And another young player, you know, a rookie besides Favor on this team this year is Marco Rossi. He was the ninth overall pick in 2020. And, you know, he made the team out of training camp last season and hung around for a month plus, but was eventually sent back to the minors. Um, And so he's back again this season. He's playing on a line with Polino and Freddie Goudreau. Um, And he's already scored his first NHL goal this season. So um, they're kind of at, yeah, I think that point where they're still a very veteran team. They're led by their experience, especially, you know, they brought Pat Maroon in in the summer in an offseason trade. But there is, you know, some opportunity, I think there has been, to get to the point where, these younger players who they drafted the homegrown talent is getting an opportunity. And I think that's going to be the really interesting, you know, maybe evolution with this team is once they do have more money to spend, once these cap hits come off the books, where do they go from there? You know, is that an opportunity to really dip into free agency, really spend, or is it going to be money devoted on, you know, signing and and putting more of their homegrown draft picks on this, roster because i I think around the league it's been a prospect pool and base that's been very highly regarded um some of those players are in the ahl others are still in juniors but um it'll be interesting to see how they evolve because i think the potential is there for young players to take more responsibility on this you know on this team eventually but it's still a team led by you know i think a lot of their veteran their veteran crew the
0: the the importance of Jonas Burdeen, you mentioned him, and I know he's played a little bit with Brock Faber and, and very successfully and also with uh, Caelan Addison as well. But the veteran guy, I, you know, when when Oiler fans uh, mourn the loss of Oscar Clefbaum to injury that derailed his career, one of the players they kind of look at as, as maybe being what they might have is a guy like Jonas Burdeen And he, he's helping these young players along a, a lot. Fair?
2: Yeah, he is. And, you know, he started the season alongside Faber and it really looked like a pairing that had the potential to really eat up a lot of minutes for the Wilds uh, on their blue line and really kind of lean into that matchup specialty role. You know, like on a night like tonight, they would they would mark, you know, the McDavid line. They would get those minutes. Um, but obviously the, the preseason injury to Jared Spurgeon kind of shook up the look of this blue line. And, and now they've split apart Brodine and Faber, who were, who were their two best defenders to start the season. Um, they have split them up and put them on different pairings. But I, I think his game just can click with so many different types of players that he just seems like a natural fit for anyone. Um, you know, such a smooth skater Brodine is um, able to play in those tough situations. Um, kind of just like an effortless style of defending. I think the way he closes on the gaps and is able to box out um, and just kind of stick to the opposition, really take their time and space away. So he's been a good fit alongside Faber. Um, and you know, I'd expect if this blue line gets back to full strength, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go back um, and play together again and, you know, really get a lot of those hefty matchups, especially in the West. Um, the talent in, in this conference, but it's a change for Brodeen too. He played with Matt Dumba for so many years and obviously Dumba didn't come back to the wild in the summer. He went on to sign with Arizona. So it's kind of a new look and, and him and Spurgeon are really the longest tenured players on this team. So it's kind of a, a little changing of the guard in that sense, but um he really has been i think a pillar for this blue line especially now with with the injury to spurgeon um a leader on the ice with the way that he plays and you know just someone who you'll see log a lot of minutes
0: final question for you sarah uh uh, i know you know edmonton very well so i can tell you it snowed yesterday on a scale of one being not surprised at all and 10 being shocked how surprised are you that it snowed yesterday in edmonton
2: Probably a two, especially because there's uh, a big hockey game this weekend, right? And, yeah. and what would a big hockey game outside be without a little <laughs> yeah. a little snow in the backdrop? It's pre-Halloween, so uh, yeah, not too surprised, but it does feel a little early, right? Yeah, it
0: sure <laughs> does. Sarah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay. There you go. Sarah McClellan from Star Tribune. We, we had her over at the other place, and uh, we would interview her from time to time. She was... I uh, covered the Coyotes for some time, and then you know, <laughs> the war, the 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 folks who grew up in the cold weather. Although she grew up in Arizona, they they just got to get you know back to the cold. So she's in Minnesota now, which is a. Lot. Have you been to Minnesota? It's a beautiful state.
1: I've never been to Minnesota. No, That's I haven't right. been to most states to be fair, but Minnesota yeah, would be a cool one to go to. How many
0: state. states have you been to? Like count them up in your head.
1: Uh, three. Wow. Yeah, just three.
0: So that would be Idaho uh washington state and california
1: you got one of them you got one of them been to california mm-hmm. nevada oh of course vegas come so, on what yeah, do we, we, we do? and we montana
0: know. oh and montana's nice i, I guess, loved it no people in montana
1: Pe- people are gonna think i'm joking or off my rocker but great falls montana was one of my favorite places on earth it was just so small town america and i loved it
0: well i i learned something about america when i started going there and that is that it's it's not east west with Canada, it's north south with Canada. So whatever's below Alberta is very similar to Alberta. Yes. Whatever below BC is very similar to BC, and on it goes. So that's how you figure out the terrain, as it were. So I don't think that helps anybody at all, but it is true. <laughs> oh baby, the, the Eagles are my favorite ever. Okay i like them too i like the team and i don't like the lyrics of the band they're they're they're, i I think the lyrics could have been read they should have had jackson brown write all the lyrics but oh
1: can we sneak in some jackson brown on tuesday little somebody's baby you know
0: or or uh doctor my eyes would be good or i love lawyers in love he whistles yeah or
1: somebody's baby maybe Mm -hmm. i think someone made that suggestion that sounds pretty good
0: so so we can make an exception because although it's, it's not really twang tuesday uh it is a jackson brown song and we all love jackson brown i think anyway so i i'm assuming i'm going to hear that pretty soon is that what you're telling me
1: no no i can't get off the rails on twang tuesday I've me- i messed it up last week in the first break not playing a not playing a country tune so i got to stay on track here okay
0: sam from vancouver said is there a chance the players don't want it enough i don't subscribe to that theory i i, I honestly don't i think that I think that players uh, everybody shows up and everybody wants to work hard and everybody does work hard, but there's a difference between working hard and working smart. And players are working hard. You know, sometimes a guy will get out on a long shift. I know people are mad at Leon because he was out too long. Yeah. But it's you know, he was staying out too long because he was trying to score a goal to end the game. So I don't I don't buy that. I like I I, I think people want to say That hockey players or athletes are lazy, but I don't think that argument really resonates. Not for me, anyway. I think they all really do try hard, but mistakes are part of the game, and execution and consistency are the things that are rewarded the most, for good reason. So, the owners have not been executing, and they have not been consistent, although you could argue they've been consistently poor, with and without the puck, but... I know that you're hoping that they're going to... I, I, I want to see... This is what I would like to see. I would like to see Evander Kane and Connor Brown play up to their cap hit. And I'm not ripping them for their cap hit because they clearly were worth those dollars. Although Brown doesn't have a high cap hit, but he will in a minute when his bonuses hit. And I'd like to see that. But I don't think it's a matter of them not working hard. I think in Brown's case, he's coming back from a year off. And in Kane's case... I'm just not sure that he's going to ever shoot the puck like he used to. He's shooting the puck half as often as he did a year ago at five on five. And one of the big parts of it, big man, uh, extremely intimidating as a, as a player on the ice, but that shot is what gets him paid. And we haven't seen a lot of it. We saw it once or maybe twice in preseason. Haven't seen it in the regular season yet. And that's what the Edmonton Oilers should be and are looking for. On the way, Paul Jones. We're going to talk about the NBA. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports fourteen forty. It's the lowdown on Sports fourteen forty Twang Tuesday. No snow that I saw it today, but there's some memories hanging around from yesterday, and I suspect that'll it'll be here a while. April, stop it. Paul Jones joins us now from Sportsnet Radio to talk Raptors and NBA. Thank you for joining us. We're just about ready to under, get underway. Are you all ready? You've got your spreadsheets ready to go. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm afraid
3: though. You're talking about snow. It's we got 21 degrees here. I'm just north of the city, and I, I'm looking to get out and sneak nine in before I hunker <laughs> into my uh, pregame prep tonight. But snow don't tell me that
0: well look the government gives good weather out there we get the, we get the bad stuff that's how it works man it's it's all it's gotta, all controlled gotta,
3: <laughs> gotta bring your latitude down brother i mean you know you're way you're way up there i i i did have the opportunity to get to uh the lovely province of alberta this summer a couple times for the cebl oh yeah our, uh, our canadian elite league that is doing so well and makes me feel so great that our Canadian kids have a place to play. It was the league that I needed about 40 years ago, yeah. but um, it, it's it's awesome. I, and and the good thing was you I could tee off in Edmonton at 6 o'clock and still get my round in. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it's true. You're right about the CBL. It's a great ball, number one, and it, it is, it, it's helping develop players, even if they don't make – you know, the NBA. There's lots of other leagues, and, and even at that level, if that's as high as you get, that's still a, a nice item on a resume and a story you can tell your grandkids.
3: Yeah, you know, and, and as I said, uh, you know, 40 years ago, like, there were so many great players in what was then the CIAU, and, you, you know, you you get out of university, you you leave high school at 17 or 18, you play four years of university, you're just starting to develop physically, really understand and learn the game. And then, you know, they shake your hand, pat you on the back, out the door you go with your degree, and there's nowhere to play. And so this, this, I think this is terrific. And I always tease the commissioner, Morreale, as a, an ex-Hamilton uh, Tiger Cat, as an Argo fan that mm-hmm. – Hey, man, you probably got a couple of Grey Cup rings that belong to my team, but it's okay, I'll, forgi- I'll forgive you because you started a great basketball league.
0: There you go. Uh, let's talk Raps. A Van Viet loss, how, how bad is that? How much will it be felt?
3: Um, uh, it will be felt, but I feel that it will be somewhat mitigated by the fact that Coach Ryakovich has uh, instituted a, a different kind of offensive system where it's not always point guard handling the ball heavy. Uh, Not saying you don't need that or you don't have that or it's not going to occur at times, but, um, you know, with ball movement, player movement, the way they want to play this year, I'm not going to say they're not going to feel the loss of Fred, but it may not hurt and and they may not feel it as much as they would had the system not changed. So, uh, you know, like I I, I watched Dennis Schroeder, who's coming off a terrific summer, uh, very good at moving without the ball, knowing that Scotty and Pascal are going to have the ball in his hands. He's just, he's just fine with getting open off screens, dipping and diving, and, 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 get, and playing away from the ball. So uh, I, it's going to hurt. I, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, it won't hurt at all. It will hurt. I mean, you lose a good player, you lose a leader. But at the same time, I, I kind of feel the system and the way they want to play might absorb some of that uh, impact.
0: You mentioned Rakovic's system, and I wonder, with Siakam, a lot of pressure on him to be the best player every night, and that's a lot in the NBA. Uh, does Will the system help him uh, maybe, maybe accentuate the positives?
3: In a word, immensely. Um, he will get the same kind of shots and looks that he got last year, uh, but he'll get them in a better light after ball movement, player movement, defense bent out of shape, recovering, uh, you know, trying to deal with switching. He'll get the same looks that he got last year, but the defense may be in a more compromised position. So I'm looking for him to uh, take advantage. Now he might not get as many looks because of the system, but uh, when he gets them, I'm sure they will be quality. And uh, it's, it's not, it's more of an equal opportunity system while at the same time, people still understand that Pascal is a guy that's going to have the ball when it's important. Uh, Scotty will have it when it's important. Uh, Ananobi and Trent can still make threes when it's important. So it's knowing that and yet learning that in and around the new system that's been put in.
0: So what are the expectations? What's reasonable to expect from this Raptors team in terms of success?
3: Listen, I, it seemed like there was a lot of doom and gloom at the end of the year last year. And you look at the record and don't forget they were 500. They were 41 and 41 and up 19 points that close to being, you know, another game away from a seven game series. So it's, it's kind of a case of same car with a little tweak, just a different driver. And I can feel the different energy And that's not a slight against Nick Nurse. Uh, I can feel a different voice, a different energy. I was fortunate enough to see the team in training camp, know that Darko, Coach Ryakovich, is a a real communicator. Um, He has definitive ideas about how he wants a team to play, and they'll adapt to it. So, you know, if somebody put a gun in my back and said, make a prediction, I'd say, well, I would say somewhere between 7 and 10. uh, Definitely – uh, you know, a, a, a play-in team, but if things come together, who knows, they could finish in the top six. There's been a lot of movement and there's a lot of parody in the East. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them to, I mean, the over under in Vegas is 36 and a half. And we know for a fact, the Raptors have been over that number in something like nine of the last 11, 10 of the last 12, 10 of the last 11 years. So, I would lean towards the over on that. And I, I think this team is going to surprise people. I spoke with, I got a call from a Western Conference executive uh, last week uh, that said, I watched the exhibition games and said, I like your team. I think they're going to surprise people. So take that
0: for what it's worth. Paul Jones, our guest, Sportsnet Radio on Sports 1440, in the lowdown with Low Tide. You, you mentioned Nurse and uh, different, different sport and different league. But when Craig McTavish was here for a decade coaching the Oilers, at the end of it, he said he felt it was too long at the fair. That that you know the players who were listening to him previously had sort of tuned out. the The message wasn't having wasn't resonating with the players as much as it had. maybe that was the case a little bit with Nurse?
3: Maybe. Um... You know, he's not, although I will say this with Nurse, he was not one of those coaches that had a five-year contract and a two-year act. He he was not one of those guys. He had been here 10 years, um, and I think he wanted to kind of keep going. And listen, perspectives change once you get to the top of the hill and you get that gold ball and you see what it's like, the view from the top of the mountain, and you want to get back there. So, uh, you know, was was his agenda and schedule for winning aligned with management uh maybe initially and maybe they changed so I, I i don't think i don't think it was one of those where he had to go but uh saying it's like your kids hearing the same thing from a different voice sometimes worked. i mean if you're a parent you know that You can say it to a kid 15 times, it doesn't sink in, and their buddy says the same thing, and they come running home and say, hey, Dad, you know what Fred told me? (laughs) And you kind of throw your arms up and go, what, like am I, you know, what am I, uh, you know, chopped liver? So um, we'll see how it is this year. There's definitely a different energy around the team, no question
0: so uh final one for you and this is about my uh 76ers because I, I I harden isn't you know I and I like I get it I know what happened in the summer uh and and um you know obviously Embiid is the the straw but I, I you mentioned about you know seven to ten and it's sort of up in the air and the 76ers are a team that that you know not so long ago I was thinking that you know would make me maybe make that next step what do you see in the 76ers and and you know again, you know, I guess this started with Simmons, but it seems like every year they're sort of, you know, well, if they get everybody together and can get them all in practice, maybe things will work. But it it seems a little chaotic to start the year.
3: Yeah, it is. And the Harden situation is not is not helping things. But I will say this, Nick is really good at dealing with uh, kind of tumultuous situations and, and guys in and out of the lineup. And Listen. When Kawhi Leonard was in Toronto, he had two teams, one that played with Kawhi and one that played without him. And the next year, when Kawhi left, that team was third in the East. Uh, sorry, third in the NBA, second in the East when COVID shut the world down. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen that year play out. And Nick is pretty good at that stuff. And while some people are predicting doom and gloom uh, in Philly, and uh, you know he shouldn't have taken the job, he should have waited for another one. He's, he's not bad in situations like that. So, I mean, I, I, listen, I think Milwaukee and Boston are a cut above in the East. And I think Philadelphia is in that next tier. And it's about Nick's kind of relationship with Joel Embiid and how he gets the guys to buy it. And, you know, you hear good things from some of the players Tobias Harris saying he's excited for the year Um you know, uh, just knowing the way Nick's going to play. It's fun. He, 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 the guys have fun in the way he wants to play. So uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, if I'm a Sixer fan, uh, I would be cautiously optimistic, put the James Harden stuff in a package and put it to the side. Uh, But at the same time, you know, what kind of town that is. And if things go sideways, they can be merciless. So uh, I, I, I I'm interested to see what Nick's going to do. And I'm, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic for him.
0: Paul Jones, thank you for this. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. All right. Paul Jones, Raptors, Radio Man, TV for NBA TV, play-by-play for women's Olympic basketball. Great guy. Real gentleman. Looks way better in a suit than I do. I want you to know that. Wait a minute. You already did. All right. Uh, NHL Rumors and Daniel Nugent Bowman coming up. And we've got a lot of questions from you, a lot of suggestions, too uh how's about Sick blues by hank williams well, that's going back a ways did woody double down on yanmark after your article well i look i think they had that in the plan i don't think my article had anything to do with it but i and daniel nugent bummer we're going to talk to him he wrote basically uh, uh the same thing about about dylan holloway it's time for him to play now i said play holloway on the top six um the coach has him in the top nine uh, and I very much doubt that my article had any, any impact on his decision-making at all. Just wanted to give out a shout-out to my Vikings huge game, the O-line. From Edmonton Rob. The, the, there was injuries for San Francisco, but I, I want you to chime in, would you? Uh, I think you've got to get full credit to, to Minnesota. Uh, injuries for San Francisco, sure, but that was a hell of a win. Yeah, it was, and
1: Minnesota is the quintessential team that can be frisky and play up to their competition and also play down to their competition. Uh, as well as Minnesota played, listen, I touched on this a couple of week ago, a couple weeks ago, excuse me, I think Brock Purdy has been fraud-checked to a large degree. I think Brock, Pet- Pre- Brock Purdy, when he doesn't have his Avengers of uh, all pro teammates out there, he looks like a pretty average quarterback. We saw it again against a Minnesota team that stepped up, and I give them all the credit in the world, but I think a big part of this as well is Brock Purdy not being that, uh, that team-leading quarterback we thought he was.
0: Uh, you've used that a few times, fraud-check. Is that a new phrase that kids are using?
1: Uh, I see it get tossed around quite a little good bit right. here. Uh, I right. like it. I think it's I think it's very apropos for a lot of situations. I think it, it fits in nicely and I think this is again this is another perfect uh perfect area to use it.
0: How many times has your girlfriend used it on you?
1: Uh never. Okay. I don't, I don't think she's ever heard the phrase. I think it's generally a little more a little more streamlined to sports.
0: Okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to say generally a little more hip and I'm like, <laughs> "No, she's pretty hip." Where are you going, sir? <laughs> um Kane isn't shooting as much because it's not the same situations. We haven't had good possession. We haven't bullied teams with offense and power play, and the lines get changed every day. How's anyone supposed to figure out anything out? We've tried this before. Like, if a, if an NHL player on a skill line has his five on five shooting like like gross shooting, his his uh, uh, total shots per sixty halved, that's a lot. You know, possession is one thing. That he's just not shooting the puck, and that might not be. It might be because he's not getting to situations. It might be because he doesn't trust his shot. Whatever it is, maybe he's not getting the puck through. What well, does have had trouble there? It's an issue. You can't, you just say, well, it's the whole team. Sure, it is. But Evander Kane is paid to score goals and shoot the puck on net and have, you know, 11% of them go in, I don't know what his shooting percentage is, but I'm sure it's over 10 and maybe by a lot. All right. Um, has Woodcroft become a coach afraid to lose as opposed to a coach determined to win? That's the question. I, I, I think that the Edmonton Oilers, this is how hockey teams that are successful usually operate. You You know your team mm, two games before the start of the season. That was not a box that was checked. You play your young players early in the year and have them develop over time and then become, by March, players you can count on. That is a box that isn't being checked. So, are they winning games? No. So, not only are they not playing the kids, but they're playing the veterans and losing games. So, I I think it's fair to be critical. I'm not an overly critical guy. You can go back and read things that I've written over the years or listen to me on the radio I rarely get angry uh I one time I did and I did a rant about the the penalty kill can go to hell and I've seen better uh, the power play can go to hell and I I've, I've seen better penalty kills at the Ice Capades but I don't often do that I don't go there because you know it, it's kind of you know it's it's just you know rage in the cage stuff I think we we sort of try to be a a thinking man's radio show and jay woodcroft is a qualified coach i i think he stopped doing what he did well when he got here what he did well was he increased the talent pool by playing young people in prominent positions that's how it worked and he's not doing that now and i think it's fair to point it out okay comments rumors daniel nugent bowman from the athletic and more next uh, sports 1440 lowdown with low tide. It's time for a sports update.
2: This is a sports 1440 update.
1: And for your sports 1440 update, every single team in the NHL in action tonight, most notably your Edmonton Oilers. They're in Minnesota to take on the wild puck drop at seven. And according to our own Jason Greger, the lines will look like Kane, Dreisletel, and Yanmark at the top. Starting defensive pairing, Nurse and CeCe and Campbell in the tendies net nhl confirmed today that it is rescinding its decision to prevent players from using pride tape on ice this season quote after consultation with the nhl players association and the nhl player inclusion coalition players will now have the option to voluntarily represent social causes with their stick tape the league said in a release earlier today NHL news in the injury department, Blackhawks winger Taylor Hall on injured reserve after he aggravated a shoulder injury Columbus Blue Jackets. Placed forward Patrick Laine on injured reserve retro- retroactive to October 20th and Columbus has recalled Dmitry Voronikov from the HL to fill that roster spot. Canadian defenseman David Savard is out indefinitely with an upper body injury as well. NFL news, the Los Angeles Rams released Brett Maher two days after the veteran kicker missed three crucial kicks and a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Rams planning to sign former Indiana, Indianapolis Colts kicker Lucas Havrasek off the Cleveland Browns practice squad. For all the UFC fans, Bud Light is back as the official beer sponsor of the UFC with a six-year, nine-figure deal, the largest sponsorship deal in UFC history. AJHL action, two games today, including one going right now. Drumheller leads Olds 2-1 during the first intermission, and later today it's going to be Grand Prairie and Whitecourt at 7 p.m. Two best words in sports, Game 7 in the NLCS, the Phillies and Diamondbacks. That one goes just after 6 today. I'm Declan Kruger, and this has been your Sports 1440 Update.